Thank you, gentlemen. It's Kristen. Appreciate that very much. Grab your Bibles, turn with me, Second Chronicles, the book of Second Chronicles, chapter number 29, is where we'll find ourselves in just a few moments, but that can kind of get you on the right path. Second Chronicles, chapter 29, and we'll be here in just a few moments. Hope you have your outline from last time, and uh, well, there are a few, I think, on the Welcome Center, but I uh, um, uh, hope you have yours. At least you can take notes elsewhere and so forth as we consider music. Real quick, you know what we've already covered, and so uh, we'll just mention it in passing, if we could put it that way. And we talked about the past of music. We've talked about the Bible is musical, God is musical, Satan is musical, um, our world is musical. We talked about uh, that's a great impetus for us to study this and make sure that we are thinking biblically about music. Then we looked at uh, the power of music, and that's where we kind of left off here. Sets the mood, it uh, sends a message, and then we got into the reality that it speaks of morality. It speaks of morality. We saw that because man is a moral creation of God, uh, he's able to discern between good and bad. His product can either promote morality or immorality. It can either promote good things or bad things. It's a logical conclusion as we trace the, uh, the reality of the creation of man from a moral God and we are moral beings as such. And so we saw in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verses 14 through 16 the reality of uh, <laughs> David and King Saul there and how David's music had a good or moral effect on Saul, changing his spirit, affect him greatly. And uh, we saw that. We, we made the comment that the evil spirit departed because of that good music and Saul is happier, brighter, and better spiritually. Crucial part and aspect about the reality of the ability of music to speak to morality and uh, to be spiritually beneficial or to be spiritually non-beneficial. And uh, music can be that way and is. And so we've got to understand that when we handle music and when we listen to it, that it has a, a powerful impact on us in different ways there. Then we looked at the language comparison, if you remember and uh, as a comparison uh, to obviously the notes and so forth, and all moral letters joined together make moral or immoral words in much the same way. All moral notes joined together make moral and immoral music, and we focus on there. Then we just came to that conclusion. <coughs> we have to conclude that music is not neutral. It's not all moral. Uh, it will either promote morality or it will promote the opposite of immorality or anti-God, anti-righteousness, however you want to describe that and such. Then we just got in the edge of this, the purpose of music, okay? The past, the power, and so the purpose of music. Obviously, God created it. God is musical. He has a purpose for it. And I, I love the consideration we talked about is, you know, our God is an intentional, purposeful creator. He does not create anything without a purpose. And so we, as his creation, and as those who use music, need to ask the question, what is the intent? What is God's intent of music? What is he, how does he want it to be used? And that's really where we're at, and I think this is a crucial study for us. As believers, God has given us all things and, uh, that we have. As everything's a good gift from God in heaven. So the reality is we ought to say, okay, God, how do you want me to use this? How does this fit into the puzzle of my life? How does this piece fit? And so music is one of those things we ought to ask that question for. And so the first acknowledgement we had to make was this, that God created both you and I and music and everything else for that one main purpose, his glory 
and his pleasure. We saw that in Psalm 115 and, and many other verses certainly speak to, well, we want to give the glory to God. It's about giving glory to God in music, and you and I are ultimately, our ultimate goal is to bring him glory, deliver him, bring him pleasure. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, thou art worthy, O Lord, uh, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And uh, uh, so we can safely conclude God desires all of his creation to work together for this common purpose. In other words, you and I are then to say, okay, I, I, we want to use music in such a way. And we'll talk about this in weeks ahead. How do we use music then to fulfill the ultimate purpose in our lives? And we'll talk about it even tonight too, to some degree. Okay, So that's the question. So then we understand this. All right, God has given us music, so he intended it to be used in some way. In fact, I, I think the scriptures certainly point to this, that God has created music and given it to us to use as a tool. Uh, <coughs> We, we think of a tool in a toolbox to accomplish the job. And I've said about this, uh, I've said it often, and many of you who do projects and things like that, boy, if you don't have the right tool, that makes it difficult. Well, God has given us many different tools, and he has given us music as a tool. And in many ways, it's the right, uh, the right tool for what he wants accomplished in our lives, okay? What is that? What, what are some of the things that God has given us music to accomplish? In other words, what is the task or the job that music is supposed to help us with? Why did God give it to us? What's his intent? Well, the first one, and I think probably the greatest of importance, is the tool of worship, the tool of worship. Look at Second Chronicles chapter 29, look at verse 25, and there's some great truths in these uh, few verses here. And he set the Levites, verse 25, and he set the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals and with psalteries and with harps, according to the commandment of David and of Gad the king's seer and Nathan the prophet. So, so was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets. So, I want you to see that this is established in the Lord. This is, God has given it. We could also even say it kind of goes back to uh, many different revelations of God. They said, okay, we need to get this back up. In fact, we'll see this is under King Hezekiah. And he's saying, we want to set some things straight. So, let's go back and see what God said about establishing the temple and what we ought to have happening in this place of worship. Look at verse number 26. And the Levites stood with the instruments of David and the priests with the trumpets. And Hezekiah commanded to offer the burnt offering upon the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord began uh, also with the trumpets and with the instruments ordained by David, king of Israel. Let's stop there a moment. Let's understand what was transpiring. They're offering the burnt offering, and at the same time, they're offering songs of worship and praise. So they're worshiping God through sacrifice, through putting something on the altar, and, and certainly offering that sacrifice for their sin, the burnt offering. But they're also, as part of this worship, singing and praising God. Now, I don't know about you, but I sure, and do, and sure do enjoy the singing aspect of our times of worship. It's crucial. It's important. It's a, a vital part of what we do here. And it ministers. You know, often you will hear us say, well, it's part of preparing the heart uh, to meet with God. It's part of preparing the heart to worship God, to commune and fellowship with God. And it is. Music is powerful in that way. And God says, listen, I want you to use it in worship. I don't know about you, but I sure am glad God gave us such a great thing as part of our worship. I enjoy singing and hearing songs sing. I hear specials and different instruments played. Ah, ah, yeah, that's wonderful, okay? Uh, I, I remember to this day, um, um, Brother Dwight Smith, Evangelist Dwight Smith, and uh, in fact, he's coming this next spring, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly. And uh, so he's coming. But I remember that first Sunday he was here, and Sunday morning, I think we had a combined Sunday school, and he pulled out, anybody remember what the instrument he poured out? The accordion. And I saw some faces like, 
I like the accordion. I think it's kind of fun. And uh, I've never learned it. I have a sister-in-law that played it, and I think she might still. But nonetheless, I like the accordion. And, and boy, Brother Smith, he did a great job on that accordion. And he played music. And I love hearing the different instruments. I still want the bagpipes to play. But anyway, we won't go there. Uh, that'd be a little annoying, I think, the old bladder. But anyway, nonetheless, I, I'm thankful that God allows us to use instruments and things like that. I'm thankful for the gifts that God has given our church to use music. Why? Because God wants music a part of worship. And boy, they got it here. They enter, they're saying, okay, we're going to follow the commands of God. He wants us a part of worship. Let's integrate it in our worship. In fact, this was a time of revival. The same thing's happening here, as I alluded to a moment ago. Revival. And music played a great part in it. Look at, if you will, uh, verse number um, 28, okay? And all the congregation worshiped. So that's context. Don't just take my word for it. This is what they're doing. They're worshiping. And the singer sang, and the trumpeter sounded, and all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. I like that, okay? As sacrifice was happening, as, as uh, they were offering things to God, they're singing, they're worshiping God, they're, they're praising Him, and what a great picture. Man, it would have been fun to be there and to see all this transpiring there at the temple. Notice it, verse 29, And when they had made an end of the offering, the king and all that were present with him bowed themselves and worshiped. Moreover, Hezekiah the king and the princes commanded the Levites to sing praise unto the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. You know, do you realize we have some of those words in Psalm? There's Psalms of David that he wrote. There's Psalms that Asaph wrote. And so we have some of those words, no doubt. And so they're singing those and they sang praises. <coughs> Excuse me. They sang praises with gladness, with joy in their heart. They bowed their heads and worshiped. You see what had happened, and you probably remember under Hezekiah here, he's bringing revival, the restoration of the, of the temple. The temple had laid in ruins for some time, had been neglected, and so he was trying to get things righted. He was trying to get things set back up where they needed to be, and he understood that music was a vital part of worship. More importantly, he just didn't understand it. He understood that God had commanded it. That God said, hey, music needs to be a vital. It's a tool I've given you. It's a vital part of worship in all that you do. You know, I, uh, that's one of those events that you'd love to be there and hear all of that music and the singing of the congregation and uh, uh, just worshiping God together. Uh, it's a great thing. <coughs> um, I remember growing up, I had a cassette tape. Children, ask your parents or your grandparents about those. Um, I had a cassette tape that I used to love, and I think I got it from my dad. And it, it, it was from a, <laughs> kind of odd, it was from a preacher's meeting. And it was a preacher's meeting where there was over 500 preachers, 500 plus gathered together. And on that, it was just a recording of the times of those preachers just sang together hymns. And I'll tell you, that just uplifted my soul and my spirit every time I heard that cassette tape because they were just worshiping God together. All these pastors and preachers gathering together and, and they made a tape of it for whatever reason. And I remember listening to that. I just remember you could tell in their singing they worshiped the Lord. Now, I'll tell you, when Pastor Aaron gets up here and he leads us, I hope you, and he says, let's stand. I don't want to get up. My, my knees hurt. My ankles hurt. Everything hurt. My friend, that is an opportunity to worship the Lord. We ought to stand up. We ought to do it, okay? I'm with you. My knees hurt too. But there's something more important than the pain that we're experiencing is the worship and the glory that God de deserves. So get up and sing. Sing unto him. 
When you and I are singing from the, whether we're sitting or standing, whether we're, however we're participating in worship, music is an important part. And I want to challenge you, okay? I don't have this in my notes. I just believe the Holy Spirit is leading me to say this. If you're one of those people who say, I just don't sing, I want you to rethink that. I want to challenge you. As your pastor, as a fellow believer who understands the importance of singing, I, I want to challenge you to rethink that. And more importantly, what I want you to do is go to the Scriptures, and I, I want you to go to your God, and you, you ask Him if He wants you to sing. I think you'll find in the Scriptures that God causes us to sing. Now, listen, my friend. You and I may not be the greatest of singers. You may not be able to carry a note in a bucket. But we can make a joyful noise. And I believe we ought to do that. So I would encourage you to do that. I don't mean to call anybody on the spot. I don't mean to call anybody out, put anybody on the spot. I, I just want to challenge you. I don't know who you are. Uh, I know there are times people who say, I just don't feel like singing. I don't want to sing. I just don't sing. Well, can I tell you, God has put a song in our heart. And we ought to release it. We ought to let it, uh, worship God in that way. So I just encourage you, that is part of this, that the fact that God has called us to worship. I think it, it is certainly found throughout all the Scriptures that God has commanded music to be part of worship. One of the great New Testament examples of that is Paul and Silas. You remember they were in prison, and the reality is Paul and Silas, they worship God by singing songs of praise while in that prison, in that jail. And that's an amazing thought, isn't it? And uh, they were worshiping him that they were counted worthy to suffer, uh, to be persecuted for his name. And they sing. I love what the Bible verse says. Acts chapter number 16 and verse 25 says this. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, and they sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them, okay? And I don't know how, if that gets you on the good side of all those prisoners singing at midnight. But the reality is they were worshiping God and praising Him. It was a part of their worship of God, and we know God did great things in response to that, okay? So there's many biblical passages dealing with the reality um, that music, again, plays a vital role in our commanded glorification of God and worship of God. We're to bring him glory, bring him pleasure. Uh, we are to worship him. There's many passages that speak to the reality of music's part in that. Okay, turn with me, if you will, Psalm 33. We're going to look at a few passages here. Uh, we want to allow the scriptures kind of set the table for you and I and um, <coughs> establish this truth for us. Psalm chapter 33, look at verses 1 through 3. Notice the, the repetition of the word praise and the involvement of singing. So we can uh, correlate when it says to praise God, that is an act of worship, right? To praise God is an act of worship. Notice what it says here. Rejoice in the Lord. We're in Psalm chapter 33. We'll look at verses 1 through 3. I'll give you just a moment. And uh, Psalm chapter 33, verses 1 through 3. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous. For praise is comely for the upright, okay? And uh, saying praise for God. Praise for God is, is, is comely. It looks good. It's right. Verse 2, praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise, okay? Uh, man, just a, a great little passage talking about praising God and using all aspects of music, okay? And uh, play it with a loud noise. You like that? The, the idea of praising God through song and uh, singing and instruments, okay? Uh, another verse, and you see the references there in your outline. We'll go quickly through them. First Chronicles 69 says this, Sing unto him, sing psalms under him, and talk ye of all his wondrous works. 
One of the aspects that I love about our current hymn book, and certainly hymns and other hymn books that we have, have sung before, maybe in different places and such, is that the hymn writers understood what God commanded in scriptures that you and I ought to both talk and sing of God's wondrous works. We, we ought to sing of what He's done and all that He's accomplished for us. And uh, we sing, you know, last and did my Savior bleed. And, and we sing other things about the goodness of God, the accomplishments of God, the, the acts of God. And we ought to speak of that and sing of that, the Scripture says. Notice in the next verse, First Chronicles sixteen twenty three says this, Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Show forth from day to day His salvation. We ought to sing of His salvation. I believe we've done that today uh, here in our services. Sing of uh, His salvation. Um, Psalm chapter 92 in verse 1, I love this one because it was entitled in the Hebrew, a song or psalm for the Sabbath day. So when the Jews were going to worship, and this is something that they use as part of their worship or to encourage their preparation, heart preparation for worship of God, notice what it says. It is good, a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises uh, unto thy name, O Most High. And so this is one that would be repeated on the Sabbath day. It's good to give thanks. It's good to sing praises unto his name. In Psalm chapter 40, in verse number 3, this is what we read. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Uh, many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Um, Psalm 57, 9 says, I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. One of the ways that we can have a testimony to others is by us singing of God's goodness, worshiping through our singing. Notice it, if you will, chapter uh, 30 and verse 4. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Can I just tell you what I said earlier? Here's a command of Scripture and encouragement. Sing unto the Lord, O ye his saints. Sing unto him. Raise your voice in adoration and worship to your God. Psalm 96 and verse 2, I, don't, I didn't put it up here. It repeats the idea of you and I singing unto the Lord. And then I love this verse. This comes from Isaiah. I think you see it on your outline there likewise. Isaiah 38, 20 says this, and this is good. The Lord was ready to save me. Pastor Aaron said after the, uh, I believe the choir, especially aren't you glad you're saved, amen? And uh, I love this. The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore... We will sing songs to the stringed instruments all the days of our life in the where? House of the Lord. That's what we did today. That's what the choir did. And singing, singing of the salvation that God has given us. And we'll singing the songs that speak of that. In, in the, where? In the house of the Lord. It's part of worship. Why do we come and worship God? Why do we sing? Because you and I have reason to sing. There's a joy that we have that the world doesn't know. Now, the world can take, take music and adulterate it and try to do their own thing with music. But friend, they don't have the reason to sing that you and I do. That's why music is so crucial and important. It's a vital part of worship. And you can worship them here in the house of the Lord. You can worship them in your car. You can worship them at home. And you can sing songs. Some of you have worshiped them in the shower because you sing songs to them. Isn't it wonderful that you and I can worship our God? through songs, singing praise to him. See, the obvious conclusion of all these passages, and certainly a multitude more, not just in the Old Testament, but New Testament, is that God intends for you and I to use music as a means of worship of our creator. It fulfills our ultimate purpose. It helps you and I to glorify God, to bring him pleasure, um, to, be, uh, to use it as a tool in our hands to accomplish what God intends, what it purposed for us.
Okay, it'll also clarify something. Now, young people, I encourage you to listen. I want to speak to our young people here for the next few minutes especially too. Go. So would you understand, I want to explain some things of why we do that. Okay, so number one, music is a tool uh, of worship. We're supposed to use music, and it's to glorify God. It's one of the things that God has given us in our arsenal, our toolbox, to then say, okay, I'm going to fulfill my ultimate glory. Of I was created for his glory. Uh, I was created to bring him pleasure. One of the ways I do that is through music. That's why we have it as a vital part of our services here at FBC. But it also clarifies something about music and its performance. You see, when we talk about worship, music in worship, um, it must bring praise to God, not the performer or even the participant. Music, when used in the context of worship, as God certainly intended it, and it's not to say music can't be used elsewhere, the reality is we're talking about in worship, it is a tool for worship, and so in that, uh, we are not here to give glory to the performer or the participant, Uh, we are here um, to bring praise to God. And so if we fail at that, then we've eliminated the very intent of worship. So one of the things that we do to do that, we, we don't applaud here at FBC, right? We don't, we don't clap after a special music, and uh, most of us here have picked up on that. We understand that. And you say, maybe you young people, maybe chill, you say, why don't we do that? Why don't we clap here at FBC? Why, why at Fostoria Baptist Church, we don't clap for a special in music? Well, we don't do it because uh, we want to be careful not to be misconstrued of giving glory or praise to the performer in worship we want to give praise and glory to God. And that's the heart of the performer. That's the heart of every one of us that participate. Uh, we want to give glory and honor to him. So one of the ways we ensure that is we don't clap for that. We don't clap for someone who performs the music. We, we might say amen. We might say praise the Lord, whatever the case may be, uh, because we want to give him the glory. So it's something that we do. And so sometimes, children, you might have questions. Why don't we do that? Okay. And let me also encourage you about this. Can I just say this as a shepherd, as a pastor? Can I encourage you to be careful when we have visitors, if they come in and they clap after a special, don't turn around and look at them. Okay, let's treat them, let's understand. They may not know, there's all kinds of flavors, there's all kinds of churches that do things a little bit different. Uh, We believe this is our conviction and what we want to do. And so we do that. If a visitor comes in and they clap maybe for a special, let's not stare at them. They probably feel different and sticking out already because they clap and they notice no one else has. And let's just, uh, we want them to feel at home. We want them to feel welcome. We don't want to heap any extra shame or uh, embarrassment upon them. So can I just encourage you to do that? It happens every once in a while, doesn't it? You know, we can go to a school recital. We, we've had those even here in this auditorium. And uh, we could go to a senior recital. We can go other places and it's perfectly fine for us to clap. And uh, that's a different context than what? Worship than worship. I love classical music. I like uh, things like that. And it's appropriate when an orchestra does all that hard work to play classical music to, to clap for them. And uh, you're thanking them, praising the work that they did and so forth. In that context, that's okay. But understand why we do what we do here. We, we, want, we want the music, okay? We're very particular about the music we use. Why? Because we want music to both minister to people and point to God. And so we're particular. We're also particular about how we perform it. Why? Uh, because we want to make sure that everything points to him, points to God. 
gives him the glory and the honor that certainly he is more deserving of uh, than the person performing it or even the participant. So God intends music to be used as a tool, specifically a tool for worship. Okay, uh, we don't have a ton of time left. I'll get into it. We'll just start the next point, and then we'll finish up next week. Okay, number two, it, it, God intended it for a tool of worship. But then I think this is so. Sometimes we miss this. I'll just be honest. As believers, I think sometimes as Christians, we we miss the idea that God would have us to use music in this way. It is not only a tool of worship, but it is also a tool of renewal. A tool of renewal. Okay, uh, a tool of renewal. Remember what Ephesians 5.19 says? Certainly many of us know it. Um, Ephesians 5.19 says what? Speaking to yourselves. I like that, okay? Um, I joked before about giving myself pep talks, okay? And uh, talking to yourself. Speaking to yourself. We talked about that, right? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And that's all music, man. Yeah, you're, you're encouraging yourself, giving yourself pep talks. And uh, speaking to yourself, speaking to one another is also the context there. In psalms and uh, spiritual songs, okay? Hymns and such. Singing, and I love this aspect, making melody in your heart to the Lord. And uh, we sing a song with the children called Making Melody in Your Heart, okay? And uh, should we do it? No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do it because it has a lot of motions and things. It's fun in one of our chapels and things that we sing it here. And, uh, but making melody in our hearts to the Lord. I love that aspect about it. Here it is. It's, it's renewing uh, many things about me as a believer. And I think God has intended music to do that. Now, the context of this passage is most amazing to me. When he says, speaking to your psalms and to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, make melody in your heart to the Lord, it's in the context of verse 18 that goes right before it. Remember the context of verse 18? Don't be filled with wine where it is excess, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, be filled with the Holy Ghost, right? And so it's the context of being filled with the Spirit. And we understand the word filling does not mean uh, to have an empty cup, fill it up. No, that's not what that means in the, uh, the verbiage there. It means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now that's amazing to me that in the sense of him talking, the context being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Don't be controlled by the flesh. Don't be controlled by the old man. Don't be controlled by the world. In that context, he says what? Speaking yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And music is powerful. Music is a tool that God says, I want, you, I want to help you fulfill my desire for you. And music is a way that you're going to do that. Okay? I, I love that aspect. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and uh, verse 16. We're going to go to the uh, New Testament here, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, and look at verse number 16, if you will, with me. Okay? And uh, <coughs> Forgive me, I got tickled tonight. I can't get rid of um, uh, Verse 15, I, I, uh, let's just look at that real quick. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many, and I redound, literally almost rebound, okay? Uh, point to what? The glory of God. I love that. Okay, so it's setting the context. We're talking about glorifying God too here in this passage and that the grace that's bestowed upon us for that. Now, verse 16, for which cause we faint not. Okay, so uh, that's important. We don't faint. How, how does that happen? But though our outward man perish, okay, we can all testify to that, amen? Okay, the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. All right, so Paul here is encouraging the reality of, okay, you and I may be looking in the mirror, and what we see in the mirror, it's not trending up, it's trending down. 
Okay, these bodies are falling apart. But, he says, that, that ought not to be our concern. That's going to happen. That's nature taking its course. But you and I, on a daily basis, ought to see the inward man renewed. Renewed. Okay? Uh, many passages speak to this truth. And, and in fact, we will say this and just make the statement there in your outline. Scriptures show that music should play an important role in the commanded daily renewing of your heart, your mind, and your spirit, uh, the parts of the new man that we are in Christ. So all of these aspects are crucial and important in the renewal of the man. Okay? Notice a few passages that speak to it. You're probably familiar. You see it again on your outline here. Ephesians 4.23, what does it say? And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Mind, renewing the mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Romans chapter uh, 12 and, and verse 2, you know, well, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay? So the renewing of your mind leads to success in the spiritual realm. It leads to obedience. It leads to discipleship and fellowship of Jesus Christ. So the renewing of your mind is crucial and important. And music is one of those aspects or tools that God has given us to help renew our mind in a right spiritual way. Okay, um, notice, if you will, Colossians 3.10. And have put on the new man, he says to the church of Colossae, Paul writes, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Renewed in knowledge, okay? Uh, so again, renewing of it. So let's make this statement. You see it there on your outline, okay? This is the spiritual, the mental benefit of music. Right? Uh, music has a spiritual benefit when used correctly. When it's the right type of music, it ought to have a spiritual benefit, like in Saul's case, when David played it, it, it ought to minister to it. It ought to help us renew our minds. Um, it's a tool by which the new man is renewed and transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit. It's to be used, obviously, in tandem uh, with God's Word, with prayer, with Bible study, with um, certainly godly living and, and righteousness, begetting righteousness, and so forth. All of these things are coupled together in the life of a Christian for the renewal of the new man, okay? Um, let me ask you this. We talked about it before. Where do most spiritual battles take place? Well, if they don't take place in the mind, they certainly originate there. Most, if not all, battles, I would say, take place in the mind, in the heart of man, and uh, the, the, the decision-making place of mankind. And, and so most spiritual battles take place. Am I going to choose this? Or am I going to choose this? Am I going to do this, follow God, or am I going to reject and rebel against God? That's where most spiritual battles take place. Now, with that said, what's interesting is the reality that we see most often speaking in the new man that your mind is renewed. Let me put it this way. God wants your spiritual mind strengthened so that every time a battle comes up with your old flesh, you're ready to win. The spiritual mind is renewed. It's built up. It's strengthened. And uh, uh, the old man may be perishing, but the inward man is renewed, and it's ready for any battle this old flesh can bring. And so God has given us the, his word. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the church community. He's certainly given us music to help us in the renewal of our minds uh, so that we can be ready for every battle. You see the statement on your outline here. God's intended goal for your music is your spiritual renewal through focusing on him. Okay, um, it, It's one way that you and I are changed into the very image of Jesus Christ. The very image of Jesus Christ. So it's this aspect of renewal. Okay. Um, 
We're going to stop there for a night. Okay, this is a good stopping spot, and uh, we'll pick up next week in this concept of the renewal of the mind, and uh, uh, I want you to come back next week. This is so crucial. We'll see some things that build upon this reality. It's a tool of worship, number one, music is. It is a tool of renewal, and then we're going to add one other thing that's crucial to what music is to do in our hearts and our lives. You'll join me in standing, if you will, and uh, uh, appreciate your attendance at the Lord's house this evening. I'm excited about our study of music, the importance that it plays in our worship in our lives.